This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. So, so Billy, um, looks like you're trying to not be a liar nowadays. You've turned over a new leaf. We're putting out an early show this week, and we're planning to record another one tomorrow, and uh, we'll have two shows for the week. That is, uh, it's pretty amazing that you've actually committed to doing something that's helpful to the audience. I know, and what a Christian thing for me to do. <laughs> so, so because because you're you're willing to do that, and I don't want to waste your precious time that you've sacrificed in order to be here talking to me and the other schlubs who listen. Uh, and you should hear the way Billy speaks about our listeners uh, when we're not on. Only microphone. only Pedro. <laughs> Stupid Pedro. <laughs> so uh, let's jump into this because uh, Billy, I guess this whole um, Bruce Jenner thing is kind of a you know. A thing now you know when something happens and i i'm on these sorts of things i watch my tongue very closely which i don't do on a lot of other things because everything you say is scrutinized right if you say anything that's perceived as being critical you're a bully you're bigoted you're whatever i think you know what's interesting to me out of all of this is that this issue you know we've had gay marriage i think mar- obviously we've talked a lot about marijuana on this show hopefully we never have to again uh we've talked about lots of issues um Brittany maynard I think that's the next sort of issue to pop up. But the transgender issue has come so Mm. fast. uh, It's just fascinating to me. And what and I'm just going to say this because I think and this is I'm already if you could see Chris right now, he's actually covering his eyes. I I don't know if he's worried I'm going to say something awful or what I'm going to say is the media narrative. I'm afraid that what you're going to say isn't awful enough. By the left. Standards. Okay, that's by what I figured. Okay, that's ahead. what I figured. Sorry. You want me to? You want me to have a Matt Walsh column tone, oh, not a I Jerry want you, Wilson. Column I want tone. you to be way beyond Matt Walsh. Here's what I'm. I'm open. So go ahead. Sorry. Here's what I'm going to say. I think it's absolutely troubling how the media has taken this issue and entertainment outlets have taken this issue and they have made. Um, you know, Bruce Jenner now, Caitlyn Jenner, into the biggest hero on the yeah. face of the earth. Um, and and they've done it in a way where there's no other narrative. There's no other question. There's it's this is a complex, complicated issue that has been basically watered down into this is what this very popular person has done. And what they have done is the most wonderful thing in the world. And you're all going to agree it's wonderful or you're a horrible, awful, no good, very bad person. And I don't like the narrative at I, all. It's it's holding this person up who is mutilating their own body as a hero is confounding to me because, uh, you know, as we've talked about before, I spent a lot of time working with teenagers. And one of the things that we are always working on, you're always keeping an eye out for because it's indicative of, of other issues are kids who are cutting themselves. So we watch out for kids who are cutting themselves, telling it's a bad idea and it's signs of other problems that they have, emotional, spiritual, mental problems that they might have, maybe some stuff going on at home, some other abuse things that might be going on. But kids who are cutting themselves are people we keep an eye out for. And we spend time saying, um, th- you are not headed in a good direction if this is what you're doing right now with your life. And then we turn around and we praise someone like a Bruce Jenner who is paying professionals professionals doctors who have sworn to do no harm by the way paying professionals to cut him up in grotesque ways you know i think that the issue itself and i'm listen i am a firm believer if this is something that you want to do then you have the right to do it right bruce jenner has the right to do this and clearly, I think one of the things that bothered me about the initial conversation is that there was a lack of compassion on some people's parts of understanding what somebody must be going through to feel that this is something that they need to do yeah. to, rec- you know, to reconcile, not rectify. Chris, you'll be happy to say rectify. Yeah, to reconcile the way that they feel with their their gender. So I think it's really complicated, and I'm not an expert on on these issues, but I do know what I believe about the Bible and about 
God designing us in certain ways as as men and women. But I think it's a complicated issue. So if that's something you want to do, you can do it. But I think my issue right now is that you is the narrative surrounding it. And that is not only a narrative that I think is not leaving space for any other discussion, but it's one in which you have him being awarded now the ESPY award, right? The ESPN ESP, award. The ESP, yeah. Uh, and, you know, he's being given this award. And I mean, listen, at the end of the day, there are 100 people who are more deserving of that award probably. And I'm going to say that flat out. And I don't think that a complicated issue like this that society hasn't had a chance to really distill and understand should be rammed down everybody's throat. And let's, let's be honest, this is going to be bringing a lot of ratings to ESPN. Oh, yeah. And and it's an award show that a Absolutely. lot of people don't pay attention to uh, normally. But I want to just note one thing before I, I stop my rant and let you continue your rant. Uh, Michael Sam was honored last year. Of so Of course he was. You know, you, you start to see... There is a narrative and a pattern. And I mean, Noah Galloway, who was not a runner-up, that was a meme on the internet that he was a runner-up. We don't know. I don't think we know who else was being considered for this award. He has no arm, no leg, goes on Dancing with the Stars in front of everybody, fought for his country in Iraq, and shows that he can be this inspiration. I'm sorry. He deserves it far more. Far more. Somebody like him. I I actually have a friend, uh, Kyle Maynard, who actually won an SP several years ago. Um, like 10 years ago, I think, nine, 10 years ago. And he has no arms and legs, and he was a wrestler, a college wrestler, and now he's in ultimate fighting and all this kind of stuff and has his own gym. And anyway, incredible guy. But he, that's the kind of person that is supposed to get an SP. But instead, now we've, but we've changed. Here's what we've done. We're giving awards and calling heroes. We're, what we're doing is seeking out men who use their penis Oh or boy. treat their penis in ways that most people, regardless of politics, don't find to be normal ways. You know, Do you know, what, I'm, do you know what I'm saying? I'm not meaning to be offensive. You no, know, I understand what you're saying. But it's, it's everything that goes against what traditional masculinity, oh, uh, you know, thousands of years of masculinity has been understood. Men, people with XY, and Bruce Jenner is a man, people with XY chromosomes, who now don't fit the mold of traditional masculinity, that's who we hold up as heroes. And that's not... C.S. Lewis warned about creating a society of men without chests. And then we ask them, we ask them the geldings, he says, then we ask the geldings to go forth... Are you talking about my weight gain? And we ask... (laughs) (laughs) We create men without chests, men with no heart, and then we ask, we bid the geldings to be, be fruitful, and we're surprised by the results we get. And so now we're praising people like a Michael Sam who, listen, you do you, right? That's the, that's the thing. I get that. That's fine. You've got, you know, if you're not hurting anybody else. I understand if that's the behavior you want to participate in, fine. That's, I mean, I would encourage you to not engage in that behavior because I think it's unhealthy. Same with Bruce Jenner. But we're, we're well, going think, for the men well, without chests. Except, well, Bruce Jenner now, but... Do you know what I mean? No, listen, <laughs> listen, I, I feel like I am sort of in the camp of if, again, if this is something you feel that you need to do, I think there, there are biblical Christian views on this. Some, you know, more liberal progressive Christians would disagree with them, but if that's something you want to do, go ahead and do it. I guess where I'm confused is where is the line where somebody's individual rights to do something um, where's the line where that crosses into this is something that we need to applaud and encourage? I mean, this is basically something that is being encouraged of people. And I think, again, I'm not an expert, but I think it's an I think it's a, an interesting tell of where we are. And, you know, I don't know. I almost feel like it's the media and Hollywood driving it. I don't know that the public I know a right. lot of people are involved in in sort of touting it and pushing it. But, you know, you, you sit down and you talk with people honestly about it, and it's a complex issue they have yeah. to process. Yeah. Right? And, and and it's not only, like, we have to recognize them as heroes. We will degrade you if you don't hold them up as heroes. In fact, we'll degrade you and see that you are brought out into the, the, the court of public opinion and ridiculed and mocked and your life destroyed if you don't refer to Bruce Jenner as a she. That's ridiculous. I think the other concern here, and I want to bring this up about the award, and I'm actually going to do uh, an op-ed on it, and I rarely get to do op-eds, but I'm going to do it because I think, 
you know, you've got somebody who's got hundreds of thousands of likes on social media. They've got praise and attention coming from every corner. Why? That's the award. You've gotten your award. You've gotten your support. You had a million Twitter followers in 10 minutes. And I'm not trying to disparage, you know, um, Jenner here. I'm just saying that there's a lot of support flowing his way. So then to give the courage award when, you know, is it courageous? I don't know. That's courage and heroship are in the eyes of the beholder. That's what I always say. There's a hero for everybody. So yeah, this is, he's a hero to a lot of people. Okay. Um, but my point is there are a lot of other people who that award should have possibly gone to. And I, and I think that it's, it's just, I'm troubled by the whole thing. I'm troubled by the way that we, the narrative that we have going on around it and the fact, and I know that people are going to hear this and say, oh, it's anti-trans. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with this narrative of the issue of where we are as a culture. It's not, and it's not anti-trans. It's anti-bad behavior and illogic. The, the people who, uh, people on the left insist, 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 oh, excuse me, insist on our supporting science. And I do support science. I believe in science. I believe that there's a lot of science out there that says global warming is a hoax. I believe there's a lot of science out there that makes the debate over evolution and creation and young earth and old earth very interesting. I think both sides have a lot of science on their side. It's not just hocus pocus on the young earth side, right? Science, science, science. Left wing is always saying science. You have to look at science. And then we look at the Bruce Jenner thing and science goes out the window. Because if Bruce Jenner goes and commits a crime and the only evidence of who committed the crime is a blood splatter that's sitting there on the ground and the police do a test of the blood splatter and find XY chromosomes in there and identify as male, Bruce Jenner doesn't get off on a technicality. Because you he's now, really because thought he's that now fe- Because he's now female. I think it's you. ridiculous. I think that this whole transgender thing is a ridiculous argument. I don't think that it holds water. I think there are people who are confused. I think there are people who have mental and mental issues and spiritual issues. I think that that all exists. But I think that we've got this, now we're into this ridiculous trans-abled debate. Like, I don't feel like these limbs belong to me. I don't think it's fair that I'm, that I'm abled. So we have a woman who has leg brace, doesn't need leg braces, but has leg braces as in any wheelchair because she doesn't believe that she deserves to have those legs. Maybe she's, I'm more abled than I deserve to be. It's like, did you, do you remember the, reading the, the short story, Harrison Bergeron? Do you remember that story? It's a it's no, because you're a, about fourteen hundred years older than me. It's a futuristic story. Every <laughs> every English course in America, you, high school class, used to read this. story. I probably read it, but I don't remember and what I did short, yesterday. And it's a short story where in the society, nobody's allowed to have advantages over other people. So people who are ugly have to have certain kinds of makeup done or surgeries done or well, things Well, I think applied. that's a nice policy. I or have a lot people of makeup who aren't, done. People who aren't as athletic or who are dancers, if you're a really good dancer, you don't get to be a really good dancer. You have to carry on all this weight so that you have no advantage over other people who aren't as good as you are. So there's all these things. And so now we've got trans-abled. What if we had trans-species? What if I insisted, you know what, I'm going to paint my nose black, I'm going to curl my hair with a permanent and walk on all fours at the time, and I insist you call me Fifi because I'm now a poodle. Am I a poodle? Well, Listen, listen, I think it is easy. And this is where I and this is where you were like roll your eyes at me a little bit. But I think it's really easy for us to talk about it when we've never experienced it. I do think, listen, I mean, this has got to be something that is very, very difficult. I know you're, it's not that you're dismissing that, but very difficult for the people going through I've it. Never, I've never gone through starvation. I've never been there, but I know it's a bad thing and I'm willing to donate money to help people who are starving. I don't have to have gone through something to know whether it's good or bad or harmful. No, and I don't I, disagree with you. But but I do think, and not you necessarily, but I do think some conservatives address these issues in ways that are like, we're not even going to try to understand what it feels like. I, listen, I think it has got to be awful to feel that way, just like it has to be awful to feel a lot of different ways and to experience a lot of other issues I think, again, my issue is the narrative and the messaging and how it's addressed in the message it sends to young people. I mean, you've got a lot of kids who go through this issue, too, and a lot of parents who go through it. And I just think it's complicated. But, you know, I I, I also feel like the dominoes are falling in every other way. I mean, you look yeah. across the side, the dominoes have fallen. People, I mean, the Gallup poll that was out, and we actually didn't talk about this before, but we did a story this morning about Gallup and the fact that liberals, conservatives, and moderates, the majority all feel that um, America's headed in a wrong moral direction. Morals are headed downward. But when you look at the specific issues, polygamy, I mean, you can list every single issue out. The dominoes are falling. And I think 
there's a real cultural problem. And I think Christians need to find a way to really market their ideas in an era. And I know a lot of people are trying, but the message isn't clearly getting through. Right. It's so, not winning. Okay. And, and here's an example of how the, how our culture is going further and further down the tubes. And it's not just because we've got a right versus left fight over trying to save the culture. We've got people on the quote, right who are falling for the lies within our culture. And I mean, how would you describe IJReview.com? I mean, how would I describe IJReview? What, what, what kind of organization are they? Conservative news outlet. Okay, conservative news outlet. Here's a headline that our friend Benny tweeted out earlier in the day. He didn't write the story, but it's on IJ Review. It's about celebrities and culture. And here's the headline. It's by Katie Lapatin. Do you know Katie Lapatin? I don't know Katie Lapatin. I don't. Anybody else. But here's the headline. Caitlyn Jenner says that Monica Lewinsky inspired her but it's why that'll truly have you moved. So we're supposed to be moved by the inspiration that a man who is doing unmentionable things to his own body surgically so that he looks like a model. By the way, the left tells us not to, mo- to, to idolize women or a certain type of woman. We're not supposed to look at Barbie dolls, yet he's trying to make himself into a Barbie doll. So we're supposed to be moved by the inspiration that Caitlin Bruce Jenner received from a woman who had an adulterous affair as an adult with the president of the United States who was a married man at the time. So we're supposed to be moved by that. Tell me, well, tell me that the culture isn't going down the tubes when IJ Review writes a story like that. Well, listen, I think, yeah, I mean, this is the, this is the narrative. This is the part of the narrative that I'm telling you I have an issue with. I watched a newscast. I mean, Bruce Jenner is from Terrytown, New York, which is one or two towns away from where I live. Now I've got people coming to my house, but <laughs> not far away from where I live. Um, and so, you know, in Terrytown, one of the high school principals gets on Channel 12 News, the local news here. And the way they're talking about it is praising it. Is it and I just think that that narrative is I'm not saying go out and treat people badly. I'm not saying go out and malign people. I'm all for understanding people's stories right. and where they are and trying to help people. I get all that. Yep. But there is no room for another narrative. And this is how every issue in America is being dealt with. There yep. is no other room. We are going to set the narrative. And I just don't accept right. that. I accept a discussion. I agree. Okay. Right. I accept a debate. I think that's great. But I don't accept that that people are going to set the narrative and tell the public what to think about this. This is this is how you will think about this, or you're an evil bastard. Right. And that's and that's and I totally agree with you. And I agree with I agree with your principle of, and it's, and as you know, we, you and I have done this in our own churches and with our own families and friends that have been in trouble and, and, and have lived lives that were going, dude, that's not where you should be right now. Understanding where they are and why they've made the decisions they made make is an important thing to do. If you're going to be in ministry or in any sort of work where you're helping other people, you have to understand where they are and why they got to where they are. That way you Absolutely. can help, that way you can help them get out of where they are. Now, why you why they're where they are is immaterial as far as getting them as far and Glenn received a lot of um hate for his taking soccer balls and teddy bears to the border, right? Because he's helping people where they are. Why those kids are where they are is an important debate to have, an important discussion to have. But the fact is they needed help at that moment where they were. So you help people where they are at the moment. Well, but and, you also you know, look and, at their past and why they got to where they are and hopefully help them to not make those choices again, to not further that behavior and, or not to compound the mistakes or compound the situation that they're in. It's like, okay, in order to get out of this situation permanently, here's what we got to start looking at. Now, here's where you are right now. I'm, you know what? I'm going to hug you and I'm going to love you and you and I are going to sit and talk and have a burger together and we're going to figure out where you are right now and how you got there. I'm not going to lie to you. All I heard just now was burger. Me too. I'm starving. I am so hungry. But the fact of the matter is, you know, I think people will hear this. Again, they're going to hear this episode, and some people are going to say, you guys are horrible, awful bigots. It's not and, what this is they about. Would, it's, they would be it's right about, about messaging. We are, we're not bigots, but we are horrible and awful. Horrible and awful, definitely. But I'm I just, horrible. Well, yeah, you are pretty awful. And you're supposed to go, and I'm awful. <laughs> I actually just turned it around to you and made you awful. I know. Too. It's uh, but I, I just, I don't know. So... I think at the end of the day, to each his own, to each her own, whatever. I, but I do think we need to, as Christians, be having these conversations. And when people say, oh, this issue is settled, 
you know, I don't know that it is a settled issue. So why are we treating it as though it is? And I think it's an issue that um, it's very complicated for people and families. And I think it's hard when you're in a position of need, needing to support your loved ones. You know, I feel for the family members. I feel for other people who are impacted by a situation like this. But I do think I'm troubled by just the way it's been handled. I, I, I totally agree. So let's take a break. We'll come right back and we'll take, we'll spend a little bit of time. I want to spend a few minutes talking about you. You wrote a story and I know we, we put it further down our list, but I'm just thinking right now, as far as like the left is demanding a certain narrative and not just the left, but people who support certain causes are demanding a certain narrative. And you wrote a story uh, that there's a twist in the Oregon Baker story with the, with the yes. gay wedding cakes. Okay. Yes, there, is, I want to get, I want to, I want to do the <laughs> There's a twist in the story. So, twist. Is it a glazed twist? Oh, those are so good. They are good, especially right now when I'm starving. All right. Uh, Woman, make me a sandwich. Leave your your wife alone. My wife just gave me a finger right through the the windows. (laughs) That's my favorite Christian move is the finger. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're going to be right back. We're going to talk about this Oregon bakery. We'll be right back. Back to the church boys. So, Aaron and Melissa Klein, we had them on the show not too long ago. Actually, I think it was probably maybe like a month ago or so. They talked about their bakery, Sweet Cakes by Melissa. Um, out in Oregon, their bakery ended up shutting down. They had refused a lesbian couple a wedding cake, and this started back in in 2013. And the last time we talked with them, what they told us was uh, last month that there was a fine that was recommended by the government because they were taken uh, to court, basically, an administrative court over this case. It was $135,000, if I'm not mistaken, that was recommended. That wasn't the mandate, but that was the recommendation. Now what's happened, though, is there's this twist. And the Daily Signal, which is a conservative outlet that's run by the Heritage Foundation, released a story uh, claiming that they had gone and got some records from the Oregon Bureau of Labor and Industries. That's the governing body that oversees discrimination complaints in Oregon. And that there was communication between that bureau, that commission, and a gay rights group in the state mm-hmm. of Oregon. No, and be, basically... I'll be darned. I'll be darned, right? The, basically, the claim is that they were going back and forth. They were they were communicating. We don't know the contents of all of that communication, but it was going on during the time last year when this case, when the, the Klein's case was being looked at. And I think the really interesting piece of it is that... Um, the, the commissioner, and I'm forgetting his first name right now, but his last name is Avakian. That commissioner has also been involved in, in depth going to events from this gay rights group. It's called Basic Right Oregon, uh, the group at hand. And so he's gone to events. He's paid for tickets, apparently. And so all of these records create questions about whether or not this group had any sort of influence on the government in this particular case. And now the client's attorney is saying, hey, we want this reopened. We want this investigation to be looked at to make sure there wasn't any convoluting going on. There wasn't any um, collusion, I'm sorry, going on in the case. I know, I caught myself. I've been having word problems lately. It's really a big issue. I know, that's all right. So yeah, when you try to use more than one single syllable words, you start to get in trouble. So, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. what's go- what is going to happen on this? What do you think is going to happen? You know, I don't think anything's going to happen. Probably to be honest with you, because I think, I mean, maybe, and may- maybe there'll be some rules and regulations that come out of this. Part of the issue is that it's an administrative court, right? So it's it's a governing body that's overseeing the case, and that can become problematic when you have government officials who uh, are involved in certain groups. But I guess, I mean, if you were going to be fair, I mean, every single person, right, is going to have involvement in of some sort in some group. It might be a Christian group. It might be a gay rights group. Yeah. Um, and this particular group, I believe, had also given money to one of his campaigns before this case broke out. So you know, this is a group that he had apparently had a relationship, you know, according to the report, well before this happened. But it does create problems because this guy, this commissioner, his first name is Brad, by the way, Brad Avakian. Uh, Brad will make the final determination of how much money the clients have to pay as a result of declining that cake. So it is it is problematic, well, they can, they can I think. Ap- they can appeal the fine to the courts, can't they? They can. I believe once it's handed down, and it should be sometime this summer, they'll be able to appeal. But, I mean, keep in mind, 
this is a family. It's two parents. They have five kids. They've been dealing with this for a long time now, and it's over this one refusal to make the cake. And as I mentioned, they lost their shop. They um, are now sort of baking out of the home, but they're not making as much money doing that. It's it's been a strain on them. But I think you know critics say, well, they they refused, they discriminated, and and blah blah blah. We've we've been through all that, but there, there is. I believe an easy way around that if you're a cake owner or a flower shop person or or anybody else. Listen, anybody for any reason should be able to deny service to anybody for any reason. Doesn't I don't care what the reason is. If you're denying people because of the color of their skin, I'm not going to go to your restaurant or whatever. Okay? But if your if your thing is I I'm not going to make cakes for gay weddings, just say I don't make gay wedding cakes. That's just not a product I provide. It's not a matter of whether or not I have a religious objection to you or your relationship or your ceremony. It's that I just don't make those. I make only wedding cakes for men and women couples. That's just it has nothing to do with your gayness. And I just don't make gay wedding cakes. It's not it's not a product I, mean, I create. I, and you and I tend to have I have similar ideas about I guess I kind of don't like I, I don't mind the government governing discrimination but i do think on this issue you when you're changing the definition of marriage which is a it's thousands of years of an institution right that has been right. in place and then you're forcing businesses to comply with providing gay wedding cakes and gay services for weddings you are putting people in a very difficult position people of faith in a tough position on a stance that they're not making up it's a stance that i mean it's like being a broken record i feel like i'm saying yeah. this over and over again yeah, yeah. it's a stance that has been out there forever regardless of where you stand on the issue i don't understand why people don't see the need for an exemption for wedding services but here's but here's what i also don't get about the forcing people to serve anybody regardless of any the reason I think you should be able to refuse service to anybody for any reason is I think a government it's a government overreach to say you have to serve these people even though you don't like them or what if, if I don't like you I shouldn't have to serve you or if I don't like you but I still want to serve you I should be allowed to serve you and vice versa you don't have to come to my business I don't have to serve you but whatever I mean there's the laws on the books and we operate within the law as long as the law isn't immoral but I wouldn't I, I think that there's a discussion to be had I think a healthy discussion on who I have to serve for whatever reasons. I should be able to, if I'm a, just a jerk and I only want to serve fellow jerks, then that ought to be what I'm allowed to do. Well, I guess here's my question. If, you know, I mean, if if you called an organization up and you said, and not a religious organization, but if you called a pro-choice group up and you said, hey, and this may be a really bad example, but just go with me. Okay. And you said, hey, I'm, I'm hosting an event, a pro-life event, and I want the president of your pro-choice group to speak at my event. And they say no based on the grounds of what you stand for. Right. Is that discrimination? I mean, no, is that... it's them saying we don't offer pro-life speeches. Right. That's not a no, product we create. a similar argument to what you're making. But so, so, and that's my point. And, and, the, and the Boy Scouts in Boy Scouts v. Dale which the Supreme Court settled back in, was it 99, 2000, 2001, somewhere in there. I wrote about when I worked in the Senate. But Boy Scouts v. Dale said the Boy Scouts don't have to admit gay scout leaders because of freedom of association. Freedom of association also means freedom not to associate. And so I don't understand. Forget the freedom of religion part. Just put that aside for me, even though I think that's a valid argument. Just take up freedom of association, which is mentioned in the Constitution. Freedom of association means I don't have to associate with you. If I don't want to serve you, if I don't want to make cakes for your gay wedding, I don't have to. If I don't, if 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 I don't want to serve um, your kids because I think they're ugly, then I don't have to associate with you. And I don't understand how the government can force me to associate with someone in business or anything else. And I'm, listen, I'm not. I'm a dummy. And, and maybe I'm totally I'm missing something here, but I I think that 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 holds legally and logically. But yeah, I mean, I see you're not <clears throat> jumping in to argue with. No, you're not a dummy. You're supposed to say that as a friend. Well, I mean, I was going to say you have no brain when you said something's <laughs> missing, but I held back, and now here I am saying it. Go. But <clears throat> you know, I don't know. I think 
I think the issue is not all that complicated. I don't know why we even even I mean, we look at it a little bit differently. I don't disagree with what you're saying. But even if you went with an exemption for wedding services, which I don't think is that outrageous when you are talking about the only people who are affected by this issue are the people providing services for weddings, photographers, bakers and the like. But not pastors. Pastors who are providing services are don't have to provide the service for the wedding. Right. But what happens if you're a church who rents out a room in your church to anybody in the public? I wonder. Right. Are you so protected? The church, no. Well, the church has to provide the has would have to rent out the room, but the pastor wouldn't have to officiate. So how does that make any sense? Or and you and I have had this example before. If I'm a pastor who has a second job to supplicate, suppli, supplement my income. Oh, you're having I, word problems too. I supplicate. Know. Supplicate. Well, at least that's religious related, right? <laughs> but if I'm a pastor and I want to supplement my income with a second job and I own a flower shop business because that's something that I like to do. As a pastor, the government won't force me. As a pastor of a nonprofit organization, religious organization that receives benefits from the government by being nonprofit, by the way, if I'm a pastor, the government can't force me to marry a gay couple. However, that same pastor, once he walks up the door and has his flower shop, which he also sees as a ministry because as a Christian, everything you do ought to be seen as a ministry. He sees his flower shop as a ministry. He, the government will force him, at least the government in Oregon, will force him to provide flowers for a gay wedding, even though as a pastor he doesn't have to officiate a gay wedding because it violates his... So a pastor whose religious beliefs are violated doesn't have to perform the service, but he does have to provide a service for the service. Does that make any sense at all? Well, no. I mean, it doesn't. It it, it doesn't because I think, and, and I've said this before, the problem, and then you start sounding like, sounding like an atheist activist, is that, as you were saying, churches receive tax benefits for being churches, and but I but there's a good argument for why they do. But right. they are receiving benefits. They have a much tighter relationship with the government because of those benefits, because of not paying those taxes. They're being given something by the government. Again, I sound like an atheist activist. But businesses, on the other hand, are paying taxes and are much more, they're smaller outfits, many of them, and really are more detached in a way, right, yep. from the government. But yet we're, we have all these extra restrictions on the businesses, and we're allowing churches right. to do whatever they want which I think they should be able to, but I'm just trying to make that point. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I totally agree. I 100% agree, but enough of this mutual admiration society. Well, so you know, start, what are you going to do? I don't know. You What's next on you, our you agenda of you drama? You haven't ticked me off today enough. I'm just ticked off in general, and it hasn't. you haven't been the source of it. So We're supposed to be talking with Pamela Geller soon, but it keeps falling ooh, through. Ooh, I'm be, hoping... Um, we will be talking with her. I actually emailed with her Good. yesterday and we did a quick little interview, but I mean, so, I'm fascinated by the Pamela Geller, the so, ongoing Pamela Geller saga. We have a, speaking of interviews, we have an interview coming up in the next break. You want to tell people what that's about real quick? How dare you stop my Geller rant? Mm, um, fine. Yeah, Go ahead. The, the, talk no, no, about, no, I'm, talk I'm about, over it. talk about Pamela Geller's no, enormous I, balls because that's what she's got. I'm over. <laughs> that um, woman will find... do do and say anything. But actually, I want to and talk about somebody who's the polar opposite of, of Pamela Geller, who is Elizabeth Carroll, who um, is the woman we interviewed. And Elizabeth Carroll, she is um, after hearing our Bruce Jenner rant, probably regretting doing this interview. <laughs> but um, no, she's great. She is the um, and I can't call her the host because she's basically a counselor on the show Marriage Bootcamp. Her and her husband okay. Jim Carroll, um, they basically co-facilitate. Marriage Bootcamp Reality Stars, which is a show on We. And the entire premise of the show is that these celebrities with bad relationships, a lot of them married, some married, some not married, come in and Elizabeth and Jim, who actually ran, run a ministry that, you know, everyday people helps everyday people, you know, fix their relationships. They um, essentially bring these celebrities in and they film it for a two week reality show and try to help them through their relationship issues, which. Oh. I know listeners will hear that and say, ugh, if they, you know, like, if they haven't uh, seen the show, ugh. Uh, but it is a really uh, interesting uh, show, and I think when you hear what she has to say, you're going to be really fascinated. Right, cool. And then you, can we tease the other interview that's going to be coming up in the next day or two? We can. Go ahead. The other interview that's going to be coming up in the next day I'm or two. I'm sorry, there isn't time. <laughs> the Church Boys. Man, I hate these guys. Elizabeth Carroll, who I mentioned 
uh, a little while ago, is our latest guest on the show. And she's going to be coming on here in a minute. And Chris wasn't on for this interview. It was a really last-minute interview. So I'm, I'm sort of bummed out you didn't get a chance so to talk with her. It'll, it'll make sense, in other words. This will be a, <laughs> an interview to be a pleasure to listen to. Pleasure to listen to. Anyway, here we go. I'm not going to make you guys wait anymore. Here is Elizabeth Carroll. All right, here we go. It's Billy Hollowell, and I'm here today with Elizabeth Carroll, and I'm really excited to to chat with Elizabeth. She is the host, the co-host of Marriage Boot Camp, and I guess Elizabeth is co-host the right word for it. Well, I'm I'm a director, so um, you know, co-host is probably not the proper terminology, but it is sort of a TV term. Well, it's so interesting because you guys are, and the reason I I ask is because for anybody who hasn't seen the show, I mean, you guys are facilitating the whole entire thing, but you're not speaking directly to the audience. I mean, you're really, I mean, you are at moments, but you're really talking to the couples who have come in to Marriage Boot Camp, reality stars, to to fix their relationships. And that's why it's such a fascinating and and a different role than I think I've seen in almost any other reality show. Well, thank you. That means a lot to me because we really, uh, you know, we went into the the TV um, project with the idea that we were going to go there and, you know, be able to help people with their marriages in the same way that we help people in our original marriage boot camp and that eventually the cameras will become a non-issue. And so that's true. I mean, when you're on TV, you start to forget that there's cameras and lighting and uh, microphones and stuff like that, then you can have those intense moments where you're able to get heart-to-heart with someone and really help them. And I feel like every single season we've been able to be successful in some small way, either helping a couple on a show, or we've had people come up to us out of the blue at the mall. Um, Jim had a woman come up to him at a poker tournament and just say, you changed my marriage just watching your show. And we were like, oh, that's why we do it. That's yeah, it. that's great. That's so even having the view, having the viewers sort of weigh in and say, just watching what you guys were doing. I mean, you got yeah. you do activities with the couples. You make them really sort of dive deep. And I think even last season, and I say this as somebody who you know, my wife and I watched the show last season with with Spencer Pratt and and Heidi Montag. It was interesting to see how much change. And other couples went through change too, but the two of them really seemed to go through quite a bit of change in their relationship as a result. Now this is—it's a two-week period, right? That you have everybody there at the house. Yeah, I mean it's a full fourteen days, you know, twelve, fifteen-hour days. It's very, very intense. And how? So let me ask you this, because you and you mentioned this. You guys have a ministry that is that is a marriage boot camp that you're running all year long, right? Yeah, yeah, 20 years we've been doing that. So 20 years you've been doing that, and then now you have the reality show. How different is what goes on that people can see on the air? How different is that from what you guys are doing in your regular marriage boot camps? The biggest difference is that in uh, the regular boot camp, we, um, with games, drills, and exercises, mixed in with some teaching, and then application. It's like we really designed the, the, the regular marriage boot camp with men in mind, not, I don't think consciously, but because Jim created it and he's a man and he's a very competitive athlete, it had to work for him. And we are finding that that's fabulous because we can get women all day long, but getting men to come to this type of thing is a little bit harder. So it's geared towards a man with a short attention span who will go from one competition to this drill to this game, but he will not sit and listen to a lecture. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so the, dif- the big. Yeah. The big difference is that we will take people into um, a, a re- we'll like step them into a place. We'll teach them about it, and then we'll take them deep, deep, deep into the place where they're wounded, and then we'll heal them a little bit. Okay. So we'll bring them back up. Then we'll teach them. Then we'll train them. Then we'll give them a little bit of relief. So we we the process is quite intense, but we give them moments of relief. In the TV show, it is a story arc that starts at the bottom and goes to the, the depths of pain before we're able to give them some healing and relief. Yeah, and I know, I mean, it's 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 so interesting to watch it happen, and I think obviously people are fascinated by celebrities, so when you're watching celebrities go through this, um, it adds a whole other element to it, but when it comes to your marriage boot camps that aren't on, on the reality show, 
I know you guys are Christians. You're you're very strong Christians. Yeah. Is that a is faith a piece of a piece of that puzzle? You know how I guess how much faith is included in the boot camp, if any at all. Well, I can tell you that there was a sort of a um, uh, an evolution of the boot camp. It started out as a uh, faith based Christian organization, but we were losing people. I mean, we were getting Christians coming, and we wanted this to be for anybody who's married who's struggling, and so. While the uh, core principles of um, fidelity and forgiveness and maturity, those kinds of things are Christian principles, we don't, um, you know, we don't name it specifically as a religious organization because I don't, I don't think that that's, we don't, we want air, we want a wide net out there to help people. Right. So right. in our regular boot camp, we get every faith, every country, every type of, of uh, relationship that you can imagine. And so we build this healing process throughout the regular boot camp. And at the very, very end, we'll ask them, what's your relation? You know, I know what your relationship is with each other. And I know what your relationship now is like with your family. But what about your relationship with God? And that's the thing that we kind of end on. And if people want that, we will absolutely walk them there. If they don't, they get to sit on the sidelines, no problem. Do you see a lot of people, I I mean, do you see a lot of people come through and become Christians as a result, accept Christ at the end of it? Oh, yes. And that is like, that's the place where we get our greatest joy. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine it's, and, and it's, and it's great that I think, you know, a, a lot of times when you're talking about relationships and marriage, regardless of whether someone's a Christian or not, you want every relationship to be healthy, right? And so it seems like that's oh, what yeah. you guys are doing. Let's help people have healthy relationships that are built on really good principles. Um, right. What? So now going back to the reality show, because I think it's obviously, I mean, I'm sure there, there are different things that go on. I know the activities are the same and, and all that. And I think you're dealing with a different population of people in terms of having... Although I would imagine maybe you do get celebrities that come through your um, come through your regular boot camp, but when you're filming, I guess what are some of the challenges that you've had, if any, um, in putting together this show, participating in it, in, in doing the activities with celebrities in a very public way? Well, the big difference is um, motivation of the participant. You know, every every celebrity comes there with a different motivation than the people that come to the marriage boot camp. People that come to the regular marriage boot camp are there because they really want help. On the show, that's not really the bigger motive. That's not the biggest right. motivation. But I can tell you that by the end of the work we do with them, everybody, everybody gets a healing. And I think you mentioned um, Heidi and Spencer. Yes. They came in like, and, and they're very jaded when it comes to reality TV because they were children who went on reality TV, were taken advantage of on reality TV, and had and just suffered the most outrageous and the most public humiliation that you could imagine. So now they're sort of stuck with, okay, what do we do for a living? Right. So this was another job. This was another paycheck. They came on the show. They were very, very tough-shelled. And we, I don't know, wooed them into trusting us, um, understanding that we were there to help them, and uh, we got to that point where they were able to open their hearts and minds and really made some significant challenges. And we got to uh, catch up with them on the Where Are They Now um, show last Friday. Yes, I saw I that. I saw thought that. it was great. Yeah, I thought it was okay. great. I mean, gosh, the, the, I just have, I mean, honestly, I fall in love with all of these people by the end of it, just because anyone who opens up their heart and shares that, that place with us, you lo- you can't help but love him. We just fell completely in love with Tyson Spencer. Did you? And I think it's interesting too because you know, and and it's so true. They went through such a public. And I've been trying to get him to do an interview. Actually, I've been talking with him. We've been direct <laughs> messaging on Twitter. And you know, I think you know the two of them always had talked about faith and tar- But they sort of lived in that reality TV world where they were Spidey. You know, they were the they were sort of the, the everyone looked at them as oh the evil reality stars and. I think that's got to be tough, and I think it's also tough to go into a reality show. For, for for you guys, I would assume, too, you have people coming in because of the money, because of the fame, 
But as you said, they all leave, and you do see that in the show. They leave affected in some ways, you know, some more than others, but they in all seem affected. What? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, did you guys have any hesitation, you and your husband Jim, going into reality TV? Was there, or was it something that you felt called to do without any hesitation? Um, we absolutely felt called to do this. We felt like, you know, in this current culture of um, social media and and TV media, everybody sees everybody doing everything. There should be something wholesome out there. There should be some way to, to further the kingdom with a healthy, positive message that is compelling enough to reach people who might not otherwise uh, be interested in healthy relationships, healthy marriages, etc. Now, the re- you know, that was our heart and that was our hope. The reality of it is harder, but it's not that much harder than it is in a church either. That's a good point. Yeah, and I mean, have you felt you know they i mean what, what's the response i guess from christians when they when they hear about the show when they see it i would imagine there's probably a, an array of responses but but what have you heard from other uh, believers who have watched the show well like you said there's a full spectrum and we get everything from condemnation to attaboys right <laughs> um and i i think there's if there's an inter- I'm, you know i'm in i'm in the deep south in texas and um the there's a spirit of religion that's here that's not necessarily a healthy spirit, mm-hmm. and um, and you know I came here I became a Christian in Los Angeles moved to San Francisco and so I never was a cultural Christian right it was like one of those bam who is Jesus kind of thing and so that's one of the things that we've had to sort of battle is that the spirit of religion that keeps us from going into the slums, if you will, um, tries to stop us. Yeah. And it's not at all what we're called to do. We're, we're called to be in the world. Yeah, I think it's interesting you say that, too, because, I mean, we have um, offices in, in Dallas, and I visit Dallas quite a bit, and when you go, um, I love Texas, I think it's a great state, but I'm from New York, I live right outside New York City, so... You know, I live in a world where there aren't as many people who agree with me on a lot of issues and and on matters of faith. But when you live in a world where sort of everybody does, it does become, like you mentioned, that cultural uh, Christianity. And you're going to have a lot of people who say, I would imagine, you guys shouldn't be doing this. And why are you doing this reality show? And, of course, I mean, there is the factor of you've got a lot of couples. In fact, almost every couple on on the current season, they're not married, right? So they're... They're in a relationship. They're not married. That's correct. Um, have you heard? Do people get upset about that? I mean, is that something where they say, "Well, you should be working with married couples and not unmarried couples"? Oh gosh. Oh, I get. We get that all the time, and we get bashed on Twitter all the time. But my response is always, "You meet people where they are." You know. Yeah. It's like you don't. You don't say, "Oh, only if you're good enough." Right. <laughs> then we're going to help you, or only if you're this, and that's not the way Jesus worked. He was like, give me a tax collector, give me a couple of prostitutes, you know, get, just bring me the people with hearts that want, they're yearning and hungry. That's yeah. what I want. So, yeah. yeah, and see, that's why we had to sort of move away from being a parachurch organization and becoming just a straight nonprofit, because that's our heart, is just to take people where they are. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you guys are on an interesting. It's an interesting platform. I think it's. I mean, we TV. Have you had? <clears throat> and again, I know this is always sensitive. So, <laughs> but when when it comes to the network, but has it <laughs> is it an open environment to share your faith if you wanted to? I mean, do you get a chance to talk? I know there's not a lot of it on air, but do you get a chance to talk about faith at all with any of the the reality stars who come on? Is that something you you are sort of careful about? How does that dynamic work? Yeah, we have a lot of freedom with that, a lot of freedom. Um, and, in fact, it was one of the agreements that we made up front that we would be able to share our faith and we would be able to uh, uh, disciple whomever and that if somebody wanted to uh, come to faith, that we would have the freedom to do that. But we would not have cameras on us. So we're given a specific uh, p- time during the two weeks or whatever that we're together with people to actually ask people do they would they do they, the same as we do in our regular group camp do you want that relationship and if you do we'll help you and i know i would never ask you to name names or anything like that but have you had any of the celebrities take you up on that offer oh yeah it seems like every season we have somebody have a um an encounter 
Wow. Blows our minds, yeah. Well, that's interesting because that's something that, and I don't know if you've talked about that in other interviews, that's something I didn't know. I I figured as much that you guys had that sort of uh, period of time where maybe you did share your faith because it's it's so, it, it seems faith is so central to what you guys do and who you are. Um, so that's great. That's really interesting. Yeah. And le- now I want to ask you a, t- a tough, a really tough question. What is, and you'll probably laugh because okay. it's, it's the most loaded question in the world, but what what is the key to fixing a broken relationship and a broken marriage? Like what what are some of the the key number one things when you when you've got a broken relationship that you would tell somebody to do first to fix that broken relationship? Oh yeah, boy, that's a loaded question because it kind of <laughs> depends on what exactly is broken. But I can tell you that the message of forgiveness is central to doing any kind of work. Because if you're holding uh, bitterness towards your mate, that has to get cleared out of the way first. And then, and I'm going to, I mean, separate apart from like addiction. If there's addiction involved, you've got to get that out of the way first. But generally, we don't work with a lot of people with active addiction because that's a specific ministry. But the first thing has to be if there is old baggage and bitterness, that has to come out first. And then that connection of hearts has to be restored in order for us to do anything else. And once that connection of of um, love, I mean, and, and it's so. There's, I mean, I could go totally psychodynamic on you right now, but there's a there's an unconscious glue between people who love each other that is real hard to put your finger on. But we can put our finger on what breaks the connection, and the break in connection is what we have to address first. Then it's sort of a. Um, uh, is it infidelity that we need to help you through? We can do that. Is it communication that you need to work through? We can do that. Is it un, is it common, you know, activities, children, whatever it is, the first thing we have to do is get rid of the bitterness. That No, that makes perfect sense. Forgiveness, getting rid of the bitterness. What... What couple out of the out of the couples you've dealt with <clears throat> on the reality show has been the hardest couple? I know that's another tough question to answer, but what couple's been the hardest? And maybe a better way to ask it is which couple was the most rewarding based on how difficult it was to sort of bring them around to fixing their issues? You know, the couple that comes to comes immediately to my mind is um Kevin and Tracy Braxton from season one of Reality Stars because they had they were married 17 years and they had um, infidelity. They had a, a, their marriage was broken by infidelity. That was one of the the harder challenges to get them to both number one own it, uh, repent of it, and then forgive. And then on the other side of that was. I mean, we just actually um, hung out with them a couple of weeks ago because Tracy called me and said, Tony is having a a concert up at the Windstar. Come on up. And so we got to connect up with him again. And here's, and I hope this isn't like too outrageous for me to say on your show, but um, they were telling us about the unbelievable sex they're having. (laughs) No, that's fine. (laughs) They had forgiven each other. They were like teenagers again. They'd completely fallen in love and the old relationship was gone. It was dead. They had to... It was like having a new girlfriend because it was a brand new thing. So that was really neat. And then another challenging um, marriage was um, Aviva and Reed Drescher because they're both so, like, intellectually solid achievers. She's an attorney. He's a Wall Street guy. They're very, very successful, have been able to do a lot of their life by their own wits and intelligence and getting them out of their heads and into their hearts, gosh, that was so hard. Yeah, but well, I once mean... We, once, we, once we got them there, um, it was amazing to... I mean, Aviva said to me, kind of off camera, she said, you know, I have always been saying to Reed, we have to get the children to Europe. We have to get them to experience the world. We've got to go to China. We've got to do this. We've got to educate them, expose them, and all of this stuff. And now I know where we need to expose them is to the landscape of their hearts. It was like, oh, they're always speaking to me. <laughs> that, no, that's interesting because she doesn't, I mean, she really comes across as not the most real when it comes to, and I think that was a critique that a lot of other people had on the show is that they weren't opening up, they weren't being, so it's interesting for her to actually say something like that that really is showing 
um, that that she's thinking, you know, deeper about it. And uh, the, all I can think of when you bring her up is the leg exercise when her. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Well, you know, my wife my wife watches that show too. The I mean, her story is so tragic about the loss of her leg and then her mother's alcoholism and then her mother's early death and how she just felt. So, so she's had to be sort of stoic yeah. to survive. And so I guess we got to, to like crack through that, but you don't really see that on camera because it's not really big and showy. But there's a lot, lot of deep work going on there. Yeah, I think it's easy for people to judge people too in life and on TV or wherever because you you just don't know people's full stories. And I think someone like that who right. has gone through, you're not going to walk away always being a hundred percent okay um, after going through some of those things. It's just that's life. Um, but... And and you're not going. I mean, the housewives and everything else trained her really well to be very careful what you do on camera. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, my, and my, like I said, my wife watches that one too. So, I mean, I've, I've seen scenes and I'm just like, wow. I mean, and I think, I mean, the tough part and what I do love about what you guys are doing is that you know, most, let's face it, 90% of reality TV is, you know, I shouldn't say 90, a, a good solid chunk of reality TV is awful, right? Um, but you guys are offering yeah. a very different look and a very different take. And I think, you know, we need more shows like that you know we need more shows where there are believers who are on the show there are people who are positive they're putting out good messages we're just not we're not seeing enough of that so i i applaud what you and jim are doing i think it's great oh thank you for that it means it means so much because it's there's a constant pressure to move away from our vision and get caught up in the tv world there's and i, and I totally understand the challenge that these reality stars have because it's so seductive I mean, I can. I mean, I watch the show. The first thing I look at is my hair. How does my hair look? <laughs> and, you know, and, and do I look fat? And it's just—it's so stupid because you get seduced into thinking that that's important. And I have to like talk myself down from the ledge every week and go, "Okay, you're fine. You're completely fine." But and I'm that's this lightweight kinds of pressure. The kind of seduction that these that these celebrity stars deal with every day. Is yeah. huge to the popularity, the money, the pecking order, and it's real easy to get pulled into that. Now, do you think you guys will continue doing this for as long as we will will have you do it? I mean, I'm, I'm sure the show's doing well, so I'm sure this could continue being renewed. Is it something that you foresee going on in ten years, or is it something that you guys might eventually say, you know what, we've we've had enough of this, we're not going to do it anymore? Um. Yeah, that's a good question. It's like the question that, that, that Jim and I ask ourselves kind of every day is, are we still being led of the Lord? Mm-hmm. And once he says, I'm done, we're done. And it's really that um, <laughs> that gray. We don't know. Yeah, well, I think that's a great answer. <laughs> I think a lot of people would say, no, we're just going to keep doing it. And a lot of other people might say, no, we're tired of it. We're not going to. But... Well, listen, Elizabeth, I really appreciate this, and we definitely want to have you back um, again soon. And in fact, you know, I'm constantly covering marriage and relationships, so I'm going to be calling you for comment all the time now. So <laughs> Great. Love it. I'm, I'm so glad we finally got a chance to connect because I know we've been going back and forth for a while, but this has been a real pleasure. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Attention. And now, back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my So Billy mentioned earlier that he had, that we're going to be talking to Pamela Geller, and he actually had some short back and forth with her already, and he's got a story up now that's, she had, she had a, you know, round two with, with uh, Chris, you know, know-nothing Cuomo. Uh, Chris, I got my job in the CNN only because I'm related to powerful political figures Cuomo. And um, he, again, he's the one who said last time that he talked to her and he has said, well, doing this is like using the N-word. Well, it's nothing like using the N-word, you dope. Anyway, so she had another conversation with him and he was talking about like he wanted to behead her or something like that, right? What's that? <laughs> no. Come on, let's just say no. that Chris Cole Listen, wanted to behead Yeah, yeah good, good lie and good segue. But, but no, I mean, he brought her back and, you know, I think these two should have a TV show because oh, yeah. it's the most fascinating debate and fight in the world every time because she's just like, what are you talking about? And he's like... 
but the Constitution doesn't protect your right to say anything. And they just like go back and, and then forth. she reaches over and she punches him in the mouth. It's like it's like a hamster wheel of drama. <laughs> but um, I love it. And so, yeah, she, but the thing she told me, so we were emailing. Um, we, I emailed her yesterday. We've been trying to get her on the show, but she's obviously been busy taping CNN and Fox News segments. And not, and, and apparently the church boys do not rank quite as oh, high come up. On. But, come on. Pammy. Pammy. No, baby, I'm kidding. On. I'm kidding. She's great about getting back on email if you have questions. And and so she did get back to me. And one of the things she told me, and it's in that story um, towards the end, but she said, and this is a quote, I have received death threats via email, but more important is the chatter that police and FBI have picked up indicating an imminent plot against me. Mm. And that just sort of struck me because – I know a lot of people are laughing and saying, or not even laughing, but they're just saying, well, that she brought it upon herself. And I think that there's a legitimate argument to that. But then there's also the factor of, I mean, she she does have a point when she says a cartoon should not be causing this kind right. of chaos. Yes. Right? <laughs> um, and, wait, there's one point well, in her it, interview with him. I need to read it because it's so funny. She but, says... And, go ahead. Uh, Hold on. Where is it here? Um, oh, he was like, you know, I know I already know what your answer is going to be. But like, is there any part of you that feels like maybe you went too far with this? And, and she's like drawing a cartoon warrants chopping my head off. That's too far. <laughs> and she's like, I just don't understand this. And she's and then she turns to him and she says, they're going to come for you, too, Chris. They're going to come for everybody. And the media should be standing with. Yeah, me. but Cuomo's OK because he, Cuomo's OK with it because he'll be the last one they come after. <laughs> I mean, it's, let's not forget just, that he and he should be held to this. PolitiFact uh, fact checked him and said false when he said that the Constitution does not um, back hate speech. Yes, and but he he's said a, but he's later legal, on that he was referring to a Supreme Court case yeah, and dumb, blah blah he's blah. A, but, he's a, but he's a legal he's a legal scholar. Remember, he knows the Constitution forward and backward. I mean, I just you know not the Constitution the, of the United States, but. <laughs> Um, by the way, I just I had this urge to write open letters to everybody after I do. wrote that. I, yeah, of course I do. I'm like the crazy person who writes open letters now. So you're the, and I, you're the, I, well, you're I the crazy 85 year old man who writes letters to the editor of the local newspaper. That's who you are. That's Billy. Do you remember the? I did write that open letter on the yes. Blaze to yeah. the American public, and I'm actually writing an open letter again this weekend coming up. And Billy, the the America's school marm. It might involve Bruce Jenner. <laughs> It might. I'm not kidding. It might. So you, you laugh. She, you laugh, but it might. But there's another. There's an. She. Pamela Geller has really made friends over at CNN. They keep having her on, <laughs> which is fine because she gets ratings. But well, who's the chick who asked her something? Do you do you relish these jihadi plots against you or something like that? What was it? Hot air has oh, a piece. Oh yeah, on it. last night. Yeah. Oh, where is and it? And she was like, "But her, really, Aaron? Really, Aaron <laughs> Burnett? Aaron Burnett. <laughs> really, Aaron? And you do, it's really Aaron? I mean, you've got it right. You've got her accent. I think it's so I, funny. I love her. I think she's. I think she's hilarious to listen to because she just. She. You can tell in her attitude and her voice. She's just pulling punches. She's like, you know what? Screw you and the horse you came in on. <laughs> But I mean, listen, it, and and I would say this to her, and she'd probably yell at me. But I would not, I, and I don't know what her faith perspective is. I don't know where she comes from. I wouldn't be walking around, you know, doing these things because I actually don't feel like it's it's the right way to handle these things from a faith perspective. I don't, you know, I don't think inciting people that you know are going to are easily incitable is the right thing to do for me. Um, and I also think that, you know, listen, there, there's a legitimate argument that when you do it, you know for a fact there there will be ramifications. But the bigger question is, are, should we be accepting that there are bigger ramifications for that? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, my microphone. I, I have to shut I actually thought that you, you uh, passed out for a minute. I wasn't I'm, sure. I, well, I'm about to because I'm starving and I'm hungry and I'm crabby and I'm just dealing with, this has been a way more serious show than I'm comfortable doing frankly uh yeah agreed <laughs> okay so oh and speaking of serious some people took very seriously some of the things we had to say about pot last week did you just get that email from one of the listeners about you need to have me on i'm a 22 year old or something like oh, that oh i saw <laughs> i a, saw marijuana and i actually and stopped reading there's it. all sorts of emails that have come in and message and it's like you people just don't get what we're saying it's not you don't have to agree with us but then you hear the things that we say and you totally just are clueless about what we said i mean and listen that's the world we live in right you do a podcast that's what you're going to have people who misinterpret you or hear you wrong or you know you know infer things that they think you're implying and it's come on pay well, like that marijuana shouldn't be legal and if you take lib libertarianism to the extreme you have no laws i don't know i mean i've said that a few times now but could i be any clearer 
Send your emails to Billy at thechurchboys.com. <laughs> Do not copy me on the emails because I don't want to hear them. Unless, of course, you've got specific threats for him, and then maybe you um, can collude. You know, listen, I, I'm actually going to write an open letter about marijuana, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Titled, <laughs> Smoke Them If You Got Them. <laughs> Uh, who okay. lets us do this show? I don't know. I, honestly, I, they don't know. They still don't know we're doing this. <laughs> oh, we're just gonna just doing it on our, on the sly. So, oh, we didn't talk about how great Elizabeth was though. She was great. Who was Elizabeth? Elizabeth Carroll. Our guest. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She was fantastic. She yeah, was. Because, anyway, was that enough? Yeah. Read your oh, Bibles. Yeah. Oh, just a second. Before, <laughs> I haven't asked you for advice. Read your Bibles. I'm gonna let you. I interrupted you rudely uh, last time. Do you want to tell who our next, who our guest we have coming up soon is? Oh, I'm allowed to tell now. Yes, okay. you are. And I, look, my hands are up. I'm not going to touch the board or anything. You can do this. It's it's actually Gretchen Carlson from Fox News. She's going to be coming up. America's favorite news anchor is going to be on with us uh, in the next day or two. So we'll be we'll be doing that. And uh, excited to have Gretchen on and talk to her about oh who knows what. We'll find something. But um, Billy, any any uh, advice for the people? God, Read I, your Bibles. I always have to say it like an idiot. <laughs> and, oh, oh, oh sorry, and don't sorry. just read your Bibles. Don't just read your Bibles. Watch Wayward Pines. It's a great show. I what's just Wayward, watching. What's Wayward Pines? It's I don't even know how to describe it. It's this town that this FBI agent gets trapped in, and it's like a it's like a fake town, but everybody like if you try to leave the town, they kill you. It's okay. like and, and so you to give a little more. Where, where do we find this show? And when is it's it on? on Fox? It's on Fox. It's a great show. It's very good. Is it a new summer series? Is that what this is? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It just, I don't know if it's a miniseries or a summer series. We're about two or three episodes in, okay. and he just can't escape this town. And then and then basically you get put into a whole new life. Like, you don't get to have your family or anything. And, yes. it, and again, if you try to leave, they kill you. So everybody just plays along. So I take it this isn't a reality TV show. It's not a reality so TV show. So I might show. actually be interested. Maybe. It's not. You might be interested in okay. this. It's a little graphic at moments, but it's really good. Okay, Okay, so Billy says, watch Wayward Pines, read your Bibles, and, well, the blaze if you get around to it, I suppose. <laughs> Talk to you later. Uh, Bye-bye.